I say, Africa must wake up, the sleeping sons of Jacob, for what tomorrow may bring. May Our dynasty on the morning bliss. Can you tell me, young ones, who are we today? And welcome to um, the 410, or it's not even 410, it's 13 minutes after 4, our our dynasty, the Black Goddess, and our guest is online Menzika Gudumaseko, a frecologist uh, who helps us unpack uh, who we are, what we are as Africans. A very good morning and a warm welcome to SAFM, to the morning place. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. It's, al- it's always a pleasure to talk to you. You know, for me, African history is 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 my is my thing. The last time I know we touched uh, on quite a number of issues. We, t- we touched on African feminine power in history, culture, um, and we also touched on the divine feminine in spirituality, culture, and struggle, decolonizing African culture. Restoration of the divine uh, feminine without abandoning or subduing the masculine. That 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 is yes. so difficult. Ntate, when you get home, it's ntate, nkulu, yeah. and we forget about ma. <laughs> yes, we've, we, we, we've uh, been, uh, uh, what's the word? We've been told to do it that way, but it's not the way it's supposed to be. But we shall discuss that. Okay, so let, let's delve into what what you have for me this morning. All right, uh, what we have today, I mean, we there's, what I want to speak about is um, how there's more philosophy than implementation when it comes to these things, when it comes to the subject of uh, African civilization, uh, decolonization, Africa. Uh, Africanization of of basically our lives, reclaiming our lives, fetching our lives, as our sister Saki would say, you know. So, uh, how come there is more talk than action? How come there is more uh, uh, rhetoric and less institutions being built? Mm. Yes. So, I want to touch on that. Um, so how how do we yeah. how do we fetch our lives? I mean, look, we are so we, we we've been how can I say how can I put it? I'm trying to look for the right words or the right phrase. Westernization literally has just engrossed us. We, we have no idea. It's almost like you're in a bubble. Yeah, what what? what it's very true. It's very true. Westernization is the. It's, it's like a perennial force. It's like uh, it's, it, it's like the word universalism. When you say humanity is universal, music is universal, uh, English is universal. <laughs> These things we, we say them without thinking twice. But uh, when you really delve deep into them, you start to realize that almost all these things are in positions. Even the word democracy, you know. We know that there are democratic, for lack of a better word, systems that have existed before Western democracy. We know that there is Ubuntu that existed before even the word humanity was uh, coined as a word or as a philosophy or as a you know, humanism, things like that. We know that there have been systems like Ubuntu, Ma'at, Uno, as they say, the Karanga say, you know, mm-hmm. but um, those systems, the, the, the hegemony 
that the West has over everything. The, um, the how, how can I say the in the cultural imperialism that the West uh, 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 enforces upon various other cultures, various uh, civilizations, is a, a, a process that began, I would say, around even the time of the Enlightenment, so-called Enlightenment, you know, in the 17th century, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, or 16th century, you know. So it's been a process of uh, whitewashing everything and Eurocentrizing everything, making Europe the center of civilization, Europe and its um, its, its, its systems, its uh, its epistemology, European uh, ways of thinking, ways of doing, ways of being, ways of dressing, everything, basically. So where Europe becomes the standard for everything. Like, for example, if you look at just the basic thing, like the alphabet system, you know, we know that, um, or algebra, for example, we know that some of these things emerged out of uh, the Orient, so to speak, out of uh, Arab, Arab civilizations. Uh, some of the, a lot of the mathematics emerged from Indian civilization. A lot of uh, philosophy and uh, 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 writing systems emerged out of African systems. Yet, when you uh, everything that we see around us, the letters, we don't understand how come Russia has a different. Uh, Different alphabets. You don't understand how come China, with so much population, uh, and India, has their own alphabets. Not it's not called alphabets, but they have their own kind of calligraphy. They have their own uh, letters. They have their own systems of writing. Yet, for the rest of us all over the world, the first thing that we recognize is the writing system of the West, and their systems that are older than this. You know. So uh, not just older, but they're more, more efficient. They make more sense when you actually get to the bottom of learning them. Uh, they, they, they are pictographs. They are syllographs. You know, syllographs meaning basically the symbolic writing. You know, Bakakredo Mutwa in his books. You know, he introduced, he reintroduced to African people the symbolic writing system, which is similar to the hieroglyphs. Yet we don't hear about it in school. You can finish university without ever hearing about it. You don't see it. Yeah. What is that? What, what is that? But what is you it? Know? Actually, you've, 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 you've triggered something. I, I've never seen any, 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 what you call it? The, the, the Yes, mm. of, of, of the African continent, especially the southern part of Africa. If you go to Zambia, Malawi, Mozambique, Zimbabwe, we, we, we kind of just use the same, you know, the alphabet. It's the same alphabet. Yes. And where where <laughs> is our writing? What is it? Well, you see, um, we cannot start in the south, unfortunately. We have to start in the cent- in Central Africa and go down. We have to start in North Africa and go down. The reason being, not because the south does not, have not produced civilizations that have thrived, you know, but what happened is in almost every continent, there are centers of intellectual power, centers of a, a particular kind of cultural commerce uh, and their centers of trade that, uh, uh, that, that, that emerge. You know, you know, people can speak about the Aishango bone as a counting system, you know, but it's just one article out of a whole
whole culture, many different diverse cultures that existed and did various different things. The Ashanga bone being found around, I think, Eswatini or something, you know, and I think there's another one in the Congo, you know. But the point is, the reason why I'm saying let's start in Central Africa, mm. we have to look at systems like in West Africa, like the Ntibidi. There's something called the Ntibidi, right? And Ntibidi is basically a symbolic writing system that was mostly used for divination, right? It was used by people who are initiated into a certain kind of uh, uh, healing system, a certain kind of uh, mediumship, you know? Only they would be able to read it. And then only later does it become uh, used by the general public. This is similar to hieroglyphics, the metronator, something called divine speech, which is the Egyptian hieroglyphs. You know? Now, there are hieroglyphs in almost every part of Africa, right? Just like I've already mentioned, that when Kudomotari introduces that um, a, a symbolic writing system, I'm saying reintroduced because amongst the Ngumi, Bantu people, those symbols were used across uh, dialects. If you speak symbols, if you are speaking Tonga and you are speaking to someone who speaks Southern Sesotho, or you are speaking to Umutwa, a person who is a um, San or Khoi or Nama, or a person who speaks Sikosa, or a person who speaks Karanga or Sikaranga or Maniga or any of the so-called Shona languages, you will find that if you use the same symbolic system when we are talking to each other at the crossroads of cultural, trade, commerce, whatever, we will understand the person when you write this and you draw it for them, they will see what you are saying. And so you are able to communicate across. So so Africa, Africa itself is a place whereby writing was a specialized uh, 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 how can I say form of Communicating, it was not uh, spread out throughout the whole community. It was only in places like Ethiopia, with its uh, uh, what do they call it, the silograph, the the is, you know. So the the writing system perhaps will be used within uh, in liturgy or theology or theology used by the church or used by the temple or used at different shrines for people to communicate across the different shrines, places of worship, right? So the, the, the common man would only have contact with the writing system when there are other initiates of that particular system or they have to communicate what is being shared by a, a particular spiritual authority and they have to communicate it to the rest of the public. Otherwise, we are an oral-based and and uh, what can I say? We are a, um, a, a relational. By relational, I mean that we we do things, we describe things rather than define them, because we know that uh, culture is fluid and dynamic. So a lot of the things that we did were about, um, how can I say, being, doing, uh, and making things happen, and literally doing things together rather than kind of try to communicate in secret. The whole thing of secret communication comes with the temple schools. The temple schools which uh, later emerged after Christianization and Islamization. The temple schools then evolved into religions that are actually foreign to us. Mm. Not to say that the writing itself is foreign to us, 
But the system of making uh, writing something that is, uh, how can I say, universal, it comes with a certain kind of cultural and, um, what's the word, I'm looking for words. It, it, it kind of breaks away from the tradition of orator and uh, uh, speaking in a democratic, secular kind of way whereby everyone is contributing. So writing becomes a specialized something because even before, it was always something done by just a few. Yeah. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So I'm basically saying that, the, 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 you know, like, for example, school. If you never go to school, the, the, the chances of you not knowing how to scribe, not knowing how to write your name, not knowing how to write anything, yeah. are very few. Where are you going to get it? But it doesn't mean that you cannot plan. It doesn't mean that you cannot trade. It doesn't mean that you cannot count. It doesn't mean that you cannot uh, uh, do physical work, work that is, uh, you know, that makes things. So you can make them. You can even build a house without knowing how to write. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But yeah. the school system is a system that comes with a certain kind of thinking, a certain kind of way of being, which is specialized schooling. It's not actually education. Schooling and education are not exactly the same thing. Yeah, I, you know, I, as we're having this conversation, why is it we, we as Africans, we, we, we're not working together? We're not in cohesion, not anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I really don't grasp that. For me to feel like I'm very different from someone who comes from, let's say, hypothetically, mm-hmm. Lesotho or, or Swaziland, mm-hmm. and yet... We are so similar in so many in, in, in so many ways. Why have mm. we stopped as Africans, number one, to work together and to be together? That's one. Number two, why is it that in our similarities we like to turn a blind eye and also we like to look at our culture, our being, our behavior, and, and everything that is very African, we look at it with an inferior eye. Why? Uh, well, that kind of uh, inferiorization uh, comes from the fact that something else, another culture, is deemed as superior to others, to, to, to our, to our own. And that is deliberately created, obviously, by colonialism, you know, the colonial system uh, and white supremacy, manifesting as a, a, a private property, capitalist accumulation, privatization of resources, privatization of basic human resources that are supposed to be social, public, you know, the public good becomes a private uh, a, a institution whereby only an exclusive few can get it. It goes back again to the word education, you know, uh, to the phenomenon of how, how in the Western world education is treated as a commodity that can only be acquired by those who can afford it, right? It is not an exclusive right, even that water. It's not an exclusive right. If you can't buy it, you can't have it, right? If you can't pay for it, you can't have it. Uh, then you will not be able to be articulate in the Western world if you cannot pay for it, right? So it goes all the way deep to whether education should be free or it should be a social uh, contract between uh, the authorities and the rest of society whereby this public good is not only affordable but it is actually given freely because it is a human right right as it, as, it, as it is enshrined in the was in 
United Nations Human Rights Charter and things like that, you know. So, the, speaking about the UN, in order to, to, to deal with African unity and why, and, and, and um, implementing systems of less division, less classism, less, uh, you know, like discrimination. Mm. If you want to go back to the unity, if you're speaking about the UN, you can't not speak about the African Union, the African Union, right? And the African Union's uh, approach is the African Union's approach to solving African problems. Is it an African institution, or is it just an institution managed by African Africans managing everything through a Western gaze? Mm. Is it indigenous in its approaches? Is the constitution of the African Union indigenous in its approach to, to borders, for example, yeah. to, uh, proper, to property rights, to farming, to how food sovereignty is protected, to how the seed is sacred, the seed of, of any, any, any food, the seed of anything that you plant. Is it approached from an African indigenous way or is it approached from a so-called universal, which basically means Western kind of approach? So we need to look at those kind of institutions that we have that we define as African, including philosophies or ideologies such as pan-Africanism or black consciousness. We need to revisit them and look at them as are they doing for the past 60 years or 60 years that they've been around, or 100 years in fact, are they doing things within an African epistemological approach or are we basically reinventing the Western wheel? Mm. Hence, we do not see changes. Hence, we still see each other as foreigners. You can look at a person from Malawi and call them a foreigner, or a person from Zimbabwe and call them a foreigner, just because of a, 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 an invisible border. Yeah. You know? so, I... those, those things are actually, we need to in, definitely investigate and, and also revolutionize the way our institutions that are called African and look at them and ask ourselves are they African? Do they have Ubuntu? Do they have indigenous knowledge systems? within them. Maybe we... just basically re-reproducing re, re westernization and whiteness. Yeah. I have a, I have a voice mm. note. Uh, let's take a voice mm. note and um, hear what um, others are, you know, thoughts, mm. thoughts that are outside of our own thoughts. It's important. It's important. Yeah. Good morning, Beta and the brilliant team. Uh, maybe your guest would like to, to, to assist us on this question here. Uh, how far did Christianity uh, influence the, the, the African uh, culture? Because if we remember very well, you know that uh, when we had troubles with rain, you could go under a tree and, 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 and you would perform rituals. And you know, before you even leave there, there, there would be rain. But now all those things have been abandoned and everyone is running to Christianity. So, how far did Christianity really influence our our African culture? Thank you. Thanks, Freddie. What's your take on that? Mm. I would say that sometimes we dwell too much on Christianity, as much as it's a, it, it, as it's been a, a terrible uh, a, a way of seeing God, a way of being uh, having a relationship with God. Christianity is just one. But what about Islam? You know. And because we find people Africanizing their Christianity, or basically dressing their their whiteness in in, in African clothes, and uh, uh, painting Jesus as a bundle person, 
uh, or a black person uh, or, or saying Mohammed had black roots uh, and basically Africanizing Islam, Africanizing even Buddhism. You know, and if you look at the Buddha's hair, he has curly hair. You know, he's depicted as a man with curly hair. So obviously he was black. But what is happening there is again a cognitive dissonance when a black, when African people have internalized their uh, erasure and have internalized their um, uh, uh, white consciousness to the extent that we actually view these things. You know, if it, you know what makes it complex, this thing of Christianity? That's why I'm saying I don't want to blame Christianity alone. But what makes white supremacy, monopolization of our minds uh, complex? What makes it complex is the fact that um, we, 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 we are conquered people. We are conquered both uh, 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 psychologically, physically, and economically. So when you are conquered in this in, in these three aspects, you you you, you the, the power that, uh, that, that how can I say it? the decision making in our lives is totally placed in a foreign place, including a foreign God. Now, the, 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 what the, my brother speaks about in terms of making rain making, it's a natural. It's what you call a natural magic. I like to call it natural magic, whereby the human being, the African, has always been in communication, spiritual and magical and phenomenological communication with nature. God, for us, is in nature. You know, there are many terms that the Western people will use to describe that, you know, uh, pantheism or this kind of ism. But it is not an ism of any kind. Our relationship with the Creator has always been a relationship with nature. Not just the nature in the environment that we see, but our own very human nature. I'll give you an example. In the West, in the Christian Bible, they speak about the seven spirits of God or the seven angels that surround God. Some even depict them as seven colors. You know, you mm. can see it in Easter. They talk about seven <laughs> colors. You know, the seven candles, the Sangomas, the, the Christians, you know, they recommend, oh, you need seven candles of these particular colors, blah, 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 blah. But that is basically taking something which is intrinsically African and translating it into biblical terms or Abrahamic terms. And then westernizing it by the product that you have to buy from the West. I don't know. Any, I don't know African uh, people that used to make colored candles back in, in, in our uh, African history. But what we do, we take our African culture, remix it, uh, civilize it, say Pugula, take it to the West, and then we have to buy it. Just like even if you look at the Sangoma institution, people are struggling with paying for the Kobela, paying for the person who who is their master during this uh, time of initiation. But they pay in what? They pay in alcohol bottles. They pay in physical money, a currency, yeah. Western currency. They pay in all these things. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is nature, the relationship between nature and the, in, the person who's being initiated. But lastly, the point I'm trying to raise is this. In a space of economic, spiritual, and all kinds of hegemony of, of, of being conquered, we... The, the, the attitudes of our faith, the attitudes of our culture are westernized to such an extent that the Africanness is just a dress, dress up. Which we wear on a page, we wear traditional clothes, most of which are, are bought. Nowadays, people are buying leopard skin from China. Nowadays, people are buying Rafadi's cloth from East, East, East Europe. People, some of us are buying uh, their, 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 their attire 
from the company owned by Johan Rupert in Cape Town. You know, so, you know and if you, the, the, the Saudi are buying their traditional attire from Taiwan, you know, the, 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 I'll send the picture yes. that even at our deepest traditional level, we are remixing and translating our culture in Western terms. So we cannot win until we get back to ourselves. To get back to ourselves, we need to own the means of the production of the articles of our culture. Absolutely. That's what we need to do. Unfortunately, we return out... our relationship with nature. Yeah. Unfortunately, we've just run out of time. I think we'll continue with our conversation. It's always very interesting to learn about the African history. And um, thank you so much. That's Menzi Kagudu Maseko, Africologist, um, chatting to us, you know, about basically the, I would call it the African foundation. And we've totally, totally lost our navigation. And sometimes we get everything all mashed up and all twisted and we just don't understand. But thank you so much for uh, joining us on SAFM on The Morning Bliss.